Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. We're going to have a picnic afterwards. I encourage you all to be there. I, I think you'll enjoy today. I love family things like that. I have entitled this message, The Parenting Factors. I promised you that the first week would be uh, about parenting. That's the parenting factors. Uh, Next week will be about grandparents, and I've called it the Grandparents' Cookbook. And then uh, third week will be the Suffering Children. And then lastly, the Family Fortress. So um, encourage family to come, because I think a lot of people are struggling today on how to even race family in a world that is just so quickly racing over a cliff um, and how to do that how to keep their kids you know minds focused on the right things and not get off on the wrong things and because obviously Jesus is coming and when he comes he's coming quickly and we obviously want to have all of our children ready for when he does come interesting verses I picked today because they stood out to me in a, in a fashion that I haven't had lately um, I'm one that reads the Bible uh, all the time, and I hope that you are too. I mean, there are some pastors I know, they don't read it every day, um, but I do read it every day. I think maybe they think they've got a handle on it because they've, they've read it, but you've got to keep in that Bible. New things jump off that page all the time. And, and if you're not reading it every day, got your eyes in that Bible, right? Your faith weakens, right? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and you have to keep that, those uh, pages into your mind the words off those pages into your mind but in Genesis 18 and, I, and I'm going to uh, I know we're running a little bit late but I, I need to read a portion of this so that we understand what I'm trying to say here today about parenting factors so in Genesis 18 we'll start with verse 1 but I'm more going to be focused on what he said down in verse 19 it said and the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of man and he sat in a tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes, this is talking about Abraham, by the way, and looked, and lo, three men stood by him, and when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door, and bowed himself toward the ground, and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree, and I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort your hearts, After that ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do, as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf tender. We don't use that word anymore, do we? Fetch a calf tender and good. My grandfather used to say that. If if you're noisy, he'd say, Hark your noise. If you want something, you say, go fetch that. So anyways, a calf tender and good and gave it unto the young man and he hastened to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. Now, with all of that said, listen very carefully to the verses I'm about to read. And they said unto him, where is Sarah? Sarah. 
Taiwan. And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah, and, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. In other words, too old to have kids. So therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, Am I I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being so old also? And the Lord said unto Abram, you got to don't miss this. Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child, which I am old? Say this next phrase with me. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. Can you imagine saying that to the Lord? I, I didn't say that. I, no, I didn't say that. And, and, and I mean, very quickly and abruptly, nay. No, you did say this. You did, or do you did laugh. And the men rose up, now this is, catch this, and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Now I'm not really sure if they came just to talk to Sarah or to address her sin. They had a job to do. They were going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says, shall I hide this thing? Now catch all of this. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. And then he says this, for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. And then the Lord said, isn't it amazing how that's interjected in between, and then it says, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, because their sins, sin is very grievous, and I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Now, I, I want to tell you something. As we can see from what we just read, God is very concerned about the way we raise our children. If you don't see that in here, you're missing something. Right? Isn't it interesting here that God is about to judge Sodom and Gomorrah and he picks Abraham, right, to tell him that he's going to do it. Why? Because he knew that he would raise his children not to let this type of thing happen that was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. I never picked that up before. See, the Lord said to Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I, uh, shall I of a surety bear a child which I am, which am old. She laughed within herself. I don't think Abraham obviously didn't know that she was laughing within herself, but God heard her. And he confronted both of them, though, with that, right? or that question, wherefore did Sarah laugh? And, and then God removed any doubt that they might have, asked if, if anything is too hard for him, and though humanly impossible, because she was past her age there to become pregnant, it, was not, it certainly was not too hard for God. 
may I just say before we get too far into this, uh, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is too hard for him. And sometimes we take things into our own hands thinking that we can handle something. But God says he can handle it. So then God again reiterated to Abraham, perhaps to Sarah, for Sarah's benefit, that he would return unto thee according to the time of life, meaning according to the time he had promised, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied laughing, saying, I laugh not for all the praise. Then the God, then God says, Nay, oh no, Sarah, you're not getting away with this. You did laugh. And Sarah was then embarrassed. She's now frightened. Okay, then God changes gears, and it says the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom. Now, don't you find that interesting? That this is right in the middle of that. And after being rebuked by God about having a child, they stand and they look towards Sodom and Gomorrah. What prompted them to do that? You know, they, they knew what they had come to do because they knew that uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, they weren't even going to find ten righteous there. They came to destroy that wicked city that was full of prideful, homosexual activity. And the Bible also says they were rampant, prideful, rampant in this lack of hospitality. So they had two grievous sins against them. And the meeting was now over. The heavenly, uh, the heavenly uh, uh, part here, right, was to confer with Abraham and let him know. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham this thing which I am about to do, basically. It is of interest here that Jehovah must have been one of these three. Right? Jesus had to have been one of these three. And it is evident here he already knew what he was going to do in regard to Sodom and Gomorrah because he asked the advice of his two uh, companions. Now that's interesting too. Now I don't, I don't, I'm not I'm trying to read into anything. But he had made a, he had made, uh, this may have added evidence that in fact for the second time since creation the Godhead came down to do business with the rebellious people. This could have been the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The first being the Tower of Babel, when they said, let us go down, straighten this mess out. So Jehovah, or Jesus, conferring with his companions, knowing that Abraham would become a great nation, and all other nations would be blessed by him. Then he says in verse 19, for I know him. I know him. Now, I use this a lot when I'm doing baby dedications. right? I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, that they shall keep the way of the Lord. Now, uh, when I do a baby dedication, it's really not a baby dedication. It is a parental dedication, right? We don't baptize babies here. They have to make a decision for Christ at some point in their life. But we do dedicate babies here. And the way we do that is by, um, by uh, challenging the parents to bring them up in a godly fashion so that they'll come to know Christ as soon as they're old enough. So I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. To, listen to this. To do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of. So did you catch that? His children will bring him justice and judgment. So how profound is that when you think about it, is that statement being, that's being said here. So God knew Abraham. He knew he would command his children and his household to keep the way of the Lord and to do justice and judgment. And that word translated as justice is the basic word otherwise translated as righteousness. And the word translated as judgment has a sense of doing justly. 
So God knew Abraham would train his children to do what was right and what was just, obviously not what had happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. Are you catching this? There is a piercing truth here given by God that Abraham would train his coming family up in the ways of God implied here is that as to why God chose Abraham in the first place. He knew what kind of father he would be and, and training his children after him. And then he says, because the cry of Sodom is great and their sin is very grievous, this is not rocket science with everybody. The reason Sodom was in the shape it was, partly, if not all of it, was because of bad parenting. Just bad parenting. Not telling them about God and who he is and what he can do, how he can handle anything. There's nothing too hard for him. Even lots often, think about this. Uh, when I think about bad parenting, do you remember the story? That Lot offered his own daughters to be molested, right, by the crowd of perverts surrounding the house to protect the angels. He did this, right? I'm thinking, that's, how, how good a parenting is that? What kid or father would do that? So obviously the parenting issues were gone there, and that's what I'm afraid is happening right now in America. You know, parenting is a very delicate topic to teach. You know why? Because of one primary reason, and it's probably the reason back then, too, in Sodom, same reason that was happening there, is it's because of pride. I, I love to teach par uh, parents about how to raise their kids, but a, mo a lot of times they don't, they don't want me to tell them how to raise their kids. Many parents today lack the humility needed for God to teach them how to raise their children. And to some extent, uh, for them to say that I know how to raise my children is true, but sometimes this uh, attitude elevates up to, don't tell me how to raise my children. So we're now living in wickedness. Moral depravity is at an all-time high. And I re really believe because of this passage we just read, parenting plays a major role in what's happening right now in America. Poor parenting. When God created our children in the womb, they were made to be taught all about God. That's the number one role of a parent. Now I'm going to share with you a lot of things here. I hope they help you uh, in parenting. But there are four factors to consider that you need to consider as a parent when raising children. If they are considered, right, and they're understood, they'll do justice. It'll be right. The things will come out better. Most everything else will fall into place, right, if you got these four things, right? So I'm going to try to give them to you uh, in a very simplistic format. So, you know, I wasn't, I, I, I've written a book, and I'll talk about that in just a minute, on how to parent kids based on principles and traditions of past Christians, but also on what the Bible says. But here they are, very simple. The first thing is the gift factor. Now listen carefully. Children are a gift from God. Everybody got a handle on that? They're really not your children. They're his children. You're just stewards of his children. They are God's children first, and they're given to you entrusted to you by God to be raised up to know God. So with this gift comes the huge responsibility of parenting them on his behalf. Does that make sense? 
Your parenting on his behalf, which includes training them, or what is described more in detail here, right here with Abraham, is that keeping them in the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. You know, as Billy Facillo used to say, this is huge. Isn't it? This is huge. Right? It's not my intention to tell you how to raise your children or to make you feel guilty about maybe if you didn't have a, a, a you know, in your raising children, things didn't turn out so well. That's not what my intention is here. But it is very much my intention right here this morning to show you in God's word about raising children. I think I'd be neglecting my, my job as your pastor if I didn't do that. Right? I'm supposed to be telling the, the people, especially the young people in the church, how, show them, give them principles and statutes and standards as we talked about this morning, how to raise their children. So raising children is a gift ministry. It, it is a privilege ministry. If you leave here with just that, <laughs> I'm sure you will leave here better equipped to raise your children than you were when you came in. But here's the second thing. I call it the God factor. There's the gift factor, but there's also the God factor. In referencing Abraham, he said, I know him. <laughs> that he will command his children and his household after him. And they, they shall keep the way of the Lord. They're going to do that. I know that. This is the God factor, right? The, the world will fight against this statement I'm about to make right now, but the truth is the truth. No one, absolutely no one, knows how to raise their children correctly or effectively without the wisdom of God. Let me repeat that. No one, absolutely no one, knows how to raise their children correctly, correctly or effectively without the wisdom of God, including Christians. Now, parents, I'm not trying to place any guilt. Only the Holy Spirit does that. But if you're not in your Bible and teaching those kids every single day and not trying to lead them to Jesus Christ by knowing their God, you're in trouble. Any wisdom God has to offer is worth taking very seriously because it is the only wisdom, think about this, that is without need of correcting. In other words, you don't have to re-edit it. We really don't know what's best for our children, but God knows what's best for our children. So why, you ask? Well, the answer is really very simple. Our children are God's children first. So the Bible says he molded them in the womb according to his plan, and he had a purpose for them. And the only way they're going to find out that purpose for them is parents that will lead them in that direction. Now, do you believe this? Do we believe this as a church? Because you're all instrumental in this. Everybody's instrumental, no matter if you had kids or not. Your answer to this question will greatly influence what kind of parent you will become and how successful your parenting will be. God wants what's best for them. Do you want what's best for them? You know, many, many things God teaches cuts across the grain, doesn't it? It just cuts across the grain of secular society, but it does not change the fact that God says what God says and the ways he has taught us, that they're always the best ways. Amen? So we, we are surrogate parents who have been privileged by God with the ministry to raise his children. This truth must be accepted in order to be an effective parent. God's plans for parenting still produces 
and will always produce far greater results, right, than any plan this world has to offer. So get off your high horse, prideful parents, and start eating a little humble pie. So there's the gift factor, there's the God factor, and that brings me to the next point, the guidance factor. Train up a child, right, in the way he should go, and he's already won't depart from. In fact, we are supposed to be parenting our children by the book. This is it, the good book. That's how we parent our children, by the good book. The Bible is the guidebook for all issues of life. So it has been said there's a rule in a certain Franciscan order that when a brother has preached an unusually good sermon, I'd like to be that person sometime, he is to report to the kitchen duty the next morning. KP duty. If you're in the military, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Why? To pare the potatoes for breakfast. Nobody likes doing that. Why? Common tasks have their function in checking the pride and grows in our hearts. But more than this, common tasks, when done faithfully and done well, what do they do? They prepare us for uncommon tasks. Parenting is no different. It's a lot of work, parenting. You know, Mark 23, 12 said, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. So you might say that the Bible is God's cookbook, right? Which we'll talk more about next week, of parental recipes, which include a very delicious dish called humble pie. Just don't get all about yourself, parents. Listen, it's about what he needs to tell you and what you need to learn. So taken humbly and reverently, the Bible is the greatest parental resource there is on planet Earth for wisdom and direction concerning your children. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man, that the man of God, I, I like that he says man there, may be thoroughly uh, furnished, uh, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God says his word is profitable for doctrine. This means it tells us what's the right thing to do, men, parents. He says in his word is profitable for reproof. This means it, it tells us what's the wrong thing to do, father, mother. It says his word is profitable for correction, which means it tells us how to make it right. He says his word is profitable for instruction in righteousness. This is the best one. It tells you how to keep it right after you get it right. So this is what makes us and our children thoroughly furnished, right, for good works. Personal techniques and family traditions for parenting can sometimes be effective. I understand that. In other words, my mother did a good job here. or My dad did a good job here. But when they supersede biblical directives or ignore biblical principles, the door just opens up for evil to come into that child's life. We begin to sail in uncharted waters, which can be very treacherous, often very dangerous for our children. And when our ideologies drift outside the parameters of godly principles or biblical principles, it's very easy to get us off track. And you know that. If you're a parent, you know that. If you're watching, especially a teenager. And even sadder than that, it causes our children to go off course. So
So I make no apologies for exhorting you to use the Word of God as your guidebook, right, in parenting your children. It produces the safest waters to sail in. Amen? Every other book on parenting except for the Bible has had to be revised or taken off the shelf through the years just to keep up with the changing trends that are happening right now. You know, the Bible not only keeps us on course, it keeps us on the right course and on the same course, right, that has been successful and taught from the very beginning and passed down through generations of faithful people. So the Bible is a first priority manuscript for training God's children, taking precedent over all other books. So let me just rabbit trail for just a minute. How many of you remember Dr. Spock? Yikes. Dr. Spock, back in my day, was the book of the day for parenting that everyone followed, including Pat and I. Now I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. And if he was alive, he wouldn't either. His own son committed suicide. Too often, here's what happens, parental advice is coming from unbelieving authors. Hear me? Parents and professionals whose advice comes from their own heart, not from the Word of God. Well, the Bible warns us about that, doesn't it? God's Word has stern warnings. He says, he that trusteth in his own heart is a what? A fool. Trust in your own heart, you're a fool. But whosoever walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. How do we walk wisely? Got to stay in this old book. So when reading other material on parenting, I suggest that you limit yourself to solid, Bible-believing, born-again authors. Preferably, by the way, pastors who have seen it, been there, got the t-shirt, watched families destroyed, seen families turn around and become successful. And not because I have any great wisdom, but I've written a book on children. I have a bunch of uh, what I have left there, but um, I'll be printing more because they need to be updated and revised. But the basic truths are still in it. So if there's a young parent here that wants to read a little bit about what I learned and put it in page or in print, uh, you're welcome to have one of these. See, the principles that are taught in my book have been taught over the years by God-fearing people using only this book. Um, I think we would agree that Jesus was not only a great Savior and a great person, he was a great example, wasn't he? Of what a, a good kid would be like. Uh, no one, including most believers, uh, would find fault with their children turning out to be like Jesus. I remember witnessing to my Jewish friend, Mr. Jaffe, his name was, a hard-working farmer who was such a sweet man. I just loved him. And after I gave him the gospel for the first time, and I tried several times, he said this, Jesus was a good boy. How do, you, how do you argue with that? That's something you could tell your kids. He's not only your savior, but he was a good boy. If you just follow, keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll do much better. So Jesus would be, very, would, be very, uh, would be every parent's dream child. It is vital to note here that Jesus, even in his toddler years and his teenage years, lived by the book. You know, the scholars were amazed at him at 12 years old, what he knew in that book. And he says this, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, 
and they are they which testify in name. And then he said this, now ye are clean through the word, through the word which I have spoken unto you. And he also said this in his high priestly prayer in, in, in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the factors here is the gift factor, right? It's a gift given to a child. It's the God factor. And then there's the guidance factor, which is the word of God. And lastly is this, is the goal factor. There's a goal, isn't there, when you're raising children? There should be, if you're a child of God. The goal is not to kick them out of the house. You're supposed to train up a child the way he should go. And when he is old, and he goes, <laughs> which he's going to do, all right, or he, she's going to do, they won't depart from it. So the goal of parenting is to prepare your children to leave the nest, fly successfully for themselves, thinking and acting biblically regarding the word of God and the issues of life that come with it. So generally speaking, and I'm done, generally speaking, as Proverbs teaches, good parents turn out good people. But this is not to say that there hasn't been some children with diligent, God-fearing parents who have broken their parents' hearts because there are. And because of the sinful heart and strong temptations of sin, there will always be exceptions to, to the rule because once the kids get out into the world, it's very, very hard for them to stay on track. So therefore, I want to say to you that I do not hold to the interpretation that Proverbs 22.6 about training up a child is a promise of success. It's simply a warning. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe 22.6 is not as much as a promise as it is a warning. Because why? Because some people think that if you punch the right buttons in child ruling, you'll always, be, you'll always get the best product. And some would wrongfully assume that parents who turn out disobedient rebellious children are always to blame. No, nothing could be further from the truth. In other words, whatever way you train your child up in, that's the way they're going to be bent to go towards. That's the way they're going to lean towards. This is why abusive dads often turn out abusive sons to their mothers, right? This is why promiscuous women often turn out promiscuous daughters. You leave Jesus out, what do you do? You open the door wide open for them to follow the flesh instead of following their faith. So there are exceptions to the rule, but generally speaking, good, God-fearing parents will turn out good children. The purpose of the book of Proverbs is primary to get young people to choose God's wisdom over the world's wisdom. And parents can teach them truth, but ultimately, what happens? Once they leave that nest, they must choose for themselves. And we have to do everything we can to help them choose wisdom. If I might add, we're going to do, we're in, in, in this closing statement, we are doing a great disservice right now in our country to, uh, by robbing little boys of their masculinity. Now, but with that said, it's not the greatest factor in a little boy's success. Here's why. Listen carefully to what Solomon said. This wisdom have I seen also under the sun. Ecclesiastes 9, 13 through 18. It, and it seemed great unto me. There was a little city and a few men within it. And there came a great king against it and besieged it and built great bulwarks 
against it. Now there was found in, in, this, in this city a, a poor wise man, and he, by his wisdom, now listen, he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no man remembered this poor man. Then said I, wisdom is better than strength. Let me repeat that. Wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, this poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. Then he says this, the words of the wise men are heard in quiet more than the cry of him that ruleth among fools. When's that come in? What does it do? It beds in there, right? And it's in your head. Done in quiet is more than somebody shouting at your children to do something. Now, this is how he concludes. Now listen to me. This is so good. Wisdom is better, listen, than weapons of war. Better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroyeth much good. So this means before a dad is to teach his son or sons or, or daughters to defend themselves or how to shoot a gun or how to shoot an arrow or how to worm a hook, before he does any of that stuff, he is first to teach his son the wisdom of God. Because that's going to give him the most power against the enemy. It's better than any weapon or any expertise of any weapon that's on the planet Earth. So Paul said it this way, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty, through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. All that we are called to do by God, Dad, parents, with the high responsibility of raising children is to do our best in giving this child the best opportunity in life to choose Christ in, the way of, in the, this way of wisdom that's only found in Christ. And that's why you have this book. Um, I close with this. Did I say that already? All right, sorry if I did. I may close another time too, so hang on. 25% of your child's life, dad, mom, 25% will be under your care. That's a lot of time. But in the gist of eternity, it's a very short little period of time. That means there needs to be as much effort as possible to help your children find a relationship with Jesus Christ while you can. You know, I can't tell you in my ministry in 30, almost 30 years how many kids said, I can't wait till I'm 18 because I'm out of here. And they got out of there. And I'm going to say most of them are nowhere near where they should be with their, with their faith. So this is why it's so important for parents to know Jesus Christ themselves. So they have a personal testimony for their children to give your children the greatest chance for success in life by having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ themselves. So my closing summary, I told you I'd say it again. My closing summary is this, right? Parenting is a divine ministry of God given by God to raise his children. Therefore, use them. God's plan for parenting is much better than yours. Parenting by the book of the Bible should be your first priority over all other resources. 
get into it. The Bible promises thoroughly furnish your child unto all the good works. And the goal, really the goal of parenting is just preparing them or preparation. We just want our children to be prepared so when they leave the nest, they'll be successful. They'll have a faith that doesn't fail them. We want them prepared to leave the nest and fly successfully by themselves in their faith. And the purpose of parenting by the book is primarily to get our children to make the right choices. Choosing wisdom over self and in every direction. And lastly is this, the best chance of your child having a strong relationship with Christ is you having a strong relationship with Christ. You want to be good parents themselves? Then you need to show good parental wisdom to them. Men, you need to love your wives. Never let your kids see that you're not loving them. Women, you're to honor your husbands. Never let them see you not honoring your husbands. I think I'll conclude with that. No more of that. Just bow our heads. You know, with heads bowed and eyes closed and hearts open, we invite you to call upon Jesus if you haven't already. It's, I mean, it's simple. It's not a hard thing to do. It's hard to do, but it's not a hard directions to follow. You just need to admit to Jesus you're a sinner with no way to save yourself from the penalty of your sin and that your sin debt that you must pay is an eternal life without God, separated from him in hell. And then you just need to acknowledge that Jesus paid your sin debt. He died in your place at Calvary's cross, rose from the dead to save you from hell, save you from God's wrath, and to give you eternal life with him. And then finally is just accept that gift and accept Jesus Christ. Receive him into, receive him into your life as your Lord and Savior. Take that free gift that he offers you. Just repent of your sins. Turn from your sins and then, and then ask him to save you. And he promises he would because he said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So are you ready to call? Well, you can call anytime. You can call right now. And if you'll sincerely pray right now for Jesus to save you from your sin and receive him as your Savior, he will do it and you'll be safe and secure in his family both now and forevermore. So with heads bowed and eyes still closed, listen, if you're unsaved, is there anyone here who would acknowledge that by the raised hand? I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I certainly would like to know for sure. I'm not going to embarrass you, uh, but I'd like to pray for you. Anybody by the raised hand? All right, let me finish up my invitation. Is there a better example of Jesus Christ? Is, is he the best place to go when God has spoken to you? A humble trip to the altar can change everything sometimes. You know, and as the music plays and Mike leads you, do you want the Lord to do something? Maybe, it, maybe he's leading you to finally get uncomfortable for a little bit, get that, make your way to the altar and bow down and ask him or leave, leave your burden there and ask him to take up your cause in raising your children. Or maybe be an example to children, even though you don't have them. So right now we're going to close. Who would say by the raised hand, Pastor, I want to be a better example to this generation. 
I want to be a better example to this generation. Amen. All over the place. I want to be a better example. I'm going to pray for you for that. So, Mike, you come and you close us out here. When you're done, if you could pray for the meal, I'd appreciate it. Let's see what God's going to do. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.